Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is November 1st, 2023. We continue our series, Words for Life, and today's word is judgment. I find this highly appropriate as the Holiday of Halloween was just celebrated on the 31st, the day yesterday, the day before. However you want to understand that, listening to this in whatever time frame you're listening to it. But it's a holiday that celebrates evil. And I don't shy away from it, though. I believe it's a great opportunity for Christians to witness. It could very well be the only day of the year in which people come and knock on your door and they'll listen to you. And so it's a great day to do outreaches. I encourage outreaches. We do a yearly outreach, very large, um, very good. And it is completely targeted to people walking the street and trick-or-treating. Um, I know there's a lot of debate about churches and trunk-or-treats or whatever, but I found that those cater to, to Christian kids. There's non-believers that are out there that are going door to door. And it's a great opportunity to talk with them, to interact with them, and to share the gospel. We've prayed with people. We've seen some incredible things. But today we're going to talk about judgment, as that is our word for today. And with that, let me ask you some questions. Did you grow up? in a situation in which you had the religious idea that God was angry with you? Do you feel like you're being judged? Have you ever felt like running away from religion because you feel like you're being judged? Where does this type of thing come from? You know, we live in a culture today that is very entitled. And I hear a lot of people say, don't judge me. Don't judge people. That's what God's word says. And it's very common in this generation. However, where does this come from? How can a non-Christian group know a scripture passage about don't judge me so well? And this begs the question, is this really a legitimate complaint about religion, religion judges? Or is there something deeper hiding here? You know, I've asked this question, and I've been out, and in the end, this this really isn't about judging. If someone lies to your face, and you call them a liar, they can't sit there and say, don't judge me, because if you tell a lie, you're a liar. Uh, that's not judging, that's what you are. If, and I, and I see this in, in so many generations, especially with girls, they're talking about all oh, these guys are cheaters, they're cheaters, they cheat. 
they they have no problem judging, quote unquote, these guys that are going around multiple girlfriends or multiple girls. Though those girls have no trouble yelling cheater. You see, it's not a judgment when you call something for what it is. It's not judgment. See, judgment would be when you someone lies to you and you you tell them that they have to pay up. You know, oh, you lied to me. You got to pay me. Here's your sentence. Here's the judgment for what you did. You know, uh, there's a lot of girls that I've seen about guys cheating on them. They're they're they they would they would kill them or wish death or terrible things upon them. That's judging. See, that's the judgment. Calling something what it is isn't judging. That's just speaking what it what it is. That's just truth. And so when people start saying, don't judge me, it's really an issue about accountability. See, they don't really understand the, the context. They don't want you telling them what they're shedding truth on what they're doing. You know, if they want to be able to speak lies, but don't call me a liar. I'm an honest person, but I can lie to you. That's, that's sort of the, the, the gist. You see, when you tell someone the truth about what something is, when you shed light on it, it's not judgment. That's just saying what it is. Again, judgment has to do with, you got to think there's, there's a sentencing aspect. For a Christian to pass judgment is when we, we condemn someone to hell or when we talk about, well, you're going to, you know, it's not so much we warn them about judgment because there is judgment. We can warn you if you get caught speeding, they're going to give you a ticket. That's not judgment. We're telling you what the judgment's going to be if you get caught doing that. Um, the judging is when you're actually doing the judgment. You know, that's like police officers. Yes, police officers are somewhat judging, you know, because when they pull you over and they, you know, they can tell you you're speeding. That's not judgment. When they write you the ticket, that's judgment. Um, but with this, I want us to get down and we're going to look at some truths to this, especially as it pertains to this time of year. When people have spiritual things on their mind, we've had Halloween. It's a very spiritual, very dark time, but we're also moving into Thanksgiving, Christmas, which is again, another spiritual time when people begin thinking about things in spiritual terms or what things mean to them. So let's look at our scriptures. And I have chosen today to do an alternative scripture reading out of the common lectionary, um, I chose this at the beginning of the year. Uh, I just looked at those passages and they say you can do these. However, there's an alternative. There's always this alternative on special days. And because this was related to uh, All Saints Day and things, there's some alternatives. And so I chose the alternatives. So we're going to be looking at Revelation 14, verses 6 through 7. And it reads, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to all those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. Short passage, short reading, but there's some really deep truths here I want us to see. And the first thing is truth that we see here is that there is an everlasting gospel. What does everlasting means? It it never ends. It never ceases. It never goes away. 
And the gospel is the good news. So we have some news that is good, that is everlasting and never goes away. Well, why why is it good news? What, what's the good news about? The next thing this passage says is that the hour of judgment has come. See, there is an appointed time for judgment. There is an appointed time for judgment. And as much as so many of these other religions really don't want to admit that there's a judgment, so many of them do. They do have some form of judgment involved in it. And it's because, as Romans says, God has written his law in our hearts. You see, we, we know. We know that we're made inside of us. We know that we're supposed to be eternal. God created us to live forever. We know we're supposed to be, but we're not. We're dying. We're physically dying. And eternally, inside, deep down, in the depths of our souls, we know there's a judgment. Even in Hinduism with karma, and you think about the Hindu caste system, it's all based on, well, if you're good in this life, that you come back as something else, you know, and if you're bad, you come back as something worse, uh, whether it's an animal, it's the whole casting. But think about it. Karma is a form of judgment. Um, so everyone knows there's, there's, you know, there's some type, something bad is supposed to happen to bad people. The problem is, is that none of us want to be judged. We want to make sure bad people are judged. But we want to be free and clear from that. Um, and that's really, I think, the issue with don't judge me, is that we don't want to be accountable. We want there to be judgment, not for us. But this passage talks about there is an hour of judgment and that we should fear God. And of course, that fear is this awe type of respect. And when we say awe, it's like you have to understand God is capable of doing what he says he, he, he will do. It says in the scripture that we should worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. See, he made everything, and he's capable of backing it up. When I look in the school systems, and there's so many problems, and one of the things I, I, I know is that we've taken really the root of discipline out of the schools, and when you do that, the students begin to realize there's no real consequences for certain actions. And then it just, it's just downhill. And we've had 20, 30 years of downhill moving in our school system because there's no real accountability to put on students that disciplines them. Uh, and there's a difference between discipline and punishment. Discipline, there's the idea there's some punishment involved, but the punishment is not to hurt them. It's to help them learn so that later in life they don't have to face punishment. If we teach children correctly, they don't grow up into criminals. Or at least that's the hope of us, is that if we give them the right discipline, they can make good decisions. They'll learn to make good decisions. They'll learn to apply themselves, and they, they, won't, have, they won't become criminals in need of punishment. But when you take that away, things just begin to, to break down. But here in the scripture, there is a dead judgment. And unlike the teachers in the school system, they can threaten you. But if the student knows there's no way for them to back it up, it doesn't mean anything. God is capable of backing up what he says. He is the creator. He will do what he says he will do. And that's why so much of the, the scripture talks about when he says it, he does it. 
is he's showing his his character and capability with that. Now let's look at Romans chapter 3, verses 19 through 28. And this is really the longest passage we have. Again, chapter 3, verses 19 through 28. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, and even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance God has passed over the sins that were previously committed, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. We are his boasting then. It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No, by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of law. Now, I know that was almost a tongue twister there for me reading it. And as I read, I'm thinking about what it is I want to share from this because there's so much in there talking about judgment. And even though it doesn't use the word judgment, there's another word that goes with judgment, and that's law. You can't judge unless you have a standard by which things are judged. There must be a standard. That standard is the law. God gave the law because people knew no longer knew right from wrong. His people, the people he chose to bring redemption to the world through, because of their time in Egypt, when when... Jacob, his 12 sons, with Joseph, went into Egypt, and they stayed there for those 400 years. They, they, they forgot what was right and wrong in God's eyes. They began to understand right from wrong from the world's perspective, and that's what Egypt represents is so much of the world. And so God had to redefine right from wrong. What is the law? What is the standard? by which we must be measured. And that's what the law is. And of course, in the scripture, it, it says we all have sinned. All of us, you, I, everyone who's listening, we've all sinned. We're all judged. You know, the famous scripture, John three sixteen, that everyone quotes about, you know, God gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes shall not be condemned. But verse 17 and 18 goes on to talk about Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn because the world was already condemned. You see, there is a day of judgment. There is a day of judgment. And all of sin and fall short of that. We That's what the law does. That's what the law says. That's why it says in, the, in this verse that every mouth may be stopped. That the world will become guilty before God. We, we've all faced this judgment. We face it. All humanity faces this appointed day when suddenly we will be held accountable for our actions and sin and darkness. But this passage also says, but God used that to reveal his righteousness 
His grace, His redemption in the person of Jesus Christ. He says, He said, forth as a propitiation by His blood. In other words, He purchased our cleansing by the blood that was on the cross. Then Jesus hung there and paid for our sin. He paid for it. It's like you're standing before the judge. You owe a fine. You owe a fine. And God has paid that fine. Judgment. You know, I would like to teach on this maybe a little more, but I don't really have time. But I will say that when you read scriptures, you really see that there's on that judgment, there's really two different types of judgment. Because when you, you do a judgment, you're really looking at what is it that you have earned. You know, if you've done evil, then your judgment says you have earned this evil thing because you've done evil. That's what the law of sin does. The, uh, the wages of sin is death. That's what Romans six twenty three says. The wages of sin is death. So when you stand before the Lord under the law, the law is condemning you and you get paid for your sin. And that, that is death. But when you come to faith in Christ, then when God justifies, this in verse 26, here it says, to demonstrate this present time is righteous, that he might be the just and justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. When you put your faith in Jesus, he purchases you. In other words, Jesus has paid your fine. That's, the, that's what he did on the cross. He's paid your fine. And suddenly, you now take the wages that Jesus would have had. And it, and it's, and it's crazy because now this is talks about we're no longer under the, the, the law. We're under faith. We're under faith. What is the wages of faith? See, the law doesn't reward anybody. The law only punishes. But when you come to Christ, you put your faith in him, you're suddenly no longer under law. You're now under faith. You're under the law of faith, not the law of works. You're, you're under, you're under faith. And faith rewards you. When you believe in God, when you put your faith in God, He rewards you. And so you see, we see in Scripture, there's a thing uh, where Jesus has a judgment seat, and He's giving out crowns. He's rewarding the saints. But then there's this great white throne judgment where God is judging people for their sin. And so we see that there's these, these, these two things. And then at the end of this verse here, it talks about, you know, where then is boasting. Well, we can't boast because there's nothing we can do to get free of the law. But if we believe that God has done this for us and we put our faith in him, then suddenly we see that that we're a part of something that's apart from the law. We're in, something, uh, we're in this realm of, of faith and new life in Christ. I want to look at our last scripture passage. It's in John 8, verses 31 through 36. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believe him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? And Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, Whoever commits sin is a slave to sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever. But a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Now, there's some things I want to point out from this passage. I think to tie in this 
word that we have for today. And the first thing I want you to know is, is that Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, these are not just Pharisees and, and the people that were fighting him. These were Jews who believed him. You know, Peter was a Jew who believed him. Matthew was a Jew who believed him. The, the, his disciples were Jews who believed him. These were other Jews who believed in him. And Jesus is telling them to abide in my word and your disciple indeed. And then he goes and says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And they look at him and they go, but we're Abraham's descendants. We're Jews. We've never been in bondage to anybody. How can you say we can be made free? See, they don't understand their, their standing in being slaves to sin, that they have fallen short of the glory of God, that they are under condemnation. They are going to face a bad judgment. They don't understand this. But Jesus was telling them that if they know the truth, the truth will set them free. And that they can just abide in his, his word. You know, Jesus later says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So you see here it says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. If you listen to what I'm saying. Why? Because if you do that, if you were listening, if we're staying in his words, we begin to realize that Jesus isn't speaking truth. Jesus is truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. He's not speaking truth. He is truth. Everything about what we even know as concept of truth comes from him. And when we know this, when we know that Jesus is truth, suddenly we are free. We are free because you see that level of faith in him, our trust in him is of such that we no longer are bound to this life that we can, he can take our place in death and we can take his place in life. But they didn't get that. They said, you know, how can you make us free? And Jesus answers says, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits a sin is a slave to sin and a slave does not abide in the house forever. And just last Sunday, I asked the question, what does that mean? A slave does not abide in the house forever. And there are lots of comments about maybe, you know, the slaves don't really own the house. The, the owner does. But that's, that's not what he's talking about. The son says the son abides forever. The, son's, the son has a house. The son is living in the house. And the slaves come into the house. And they do their work. But they don't remain in the house. They have to leave the house once their time is over. Only the son gets to stay. Now, Jesus says, if you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Verse 36 says, therefore, if the son makes you free, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. The son makes you free. You shall be free indeed. In other words, if the son has freed you, you're no longer a slave. You do not have to leave the house. This is one of those meditate moments. Just, I just want silence and meditate. Think about that. I think of another scripture when Jesus says, I go away. My, my father has a house with many rooms. Or 
there are many mansions in my father's house and he goes to prepare a place for us. You see, he's going to set us free so that we can remain in his house forever. But if you're a slave, if if you have not put your faith in Christ, then you're still a slave. You're going to have to leave at some point. And so when we start talking about judgment, we have to understand, you know, Jesus was talking to Jews who believed him, but they didn't, they didn't believe, they didn't have saving faith to believe him. They just, they were in this, oh, you're the Messiah and you're going to come and do this, this thing and set us free. Almost like what we're seeing today going on in Israel with the wars and, and, and the things that are happening. They, we, they, the Jews then had this idea that the Messiah was going to be a leader that would raise up their nation and would bring them back to a national prominence like David did. That they would have a kingdom like Solomon had, where they would have peace and all the riches of the world would be theirs and all the intention of the world would be theirs and they'd have the, and everything would just be absolutely perfect. See, that's what they believed about the Messiah. That's not why Jesus came. That's not the, what the Messiah was. But because they believed that, they miss it. And these Jews, it says they believed him. They believed he was going to be the Messiah, but they didn't, they didn't understand. That's why Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed. In which they need to listen to him because he was telling them that he was not what they thought he was going to be. He was telling them who he was. And if they would have abided in that, then that, that makes them his disciples. For you and I, how do we know we're Jesus' disciples? You know, I know it's, I, I put my faith in him, I believe him. But you see, talk is cheap. Are we abiding? Are we really listening to what he says? Or are we believing in a God that we're making up in our head? And we just want to say that that idol that we've created in our head is named Jesus. I know this is a little off topic, but I I fear that there are many people in the church today. They say they love Jesus, but they're really worshiping an idol in their head of what they think. Jesus is about, as opposed to getting in his word and learning who he is. He, he is truth. I don't want to know about truth. I want to know truth, the person of truth who is in Christ. I pray that, that this message will challenge you because we don't have to face a terrible judgment. We can face a, a point where Jesus is well done, well done. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today, God. I thank you that, yes, there is a dead judgment, but you've also given us your son, and that if we would abide in your word, that you will set us free, God, that we can be part of your family, and we can experience the the many mansions, then the home that you are creating for us with you. Lord, we thank you that you love us, that you paid our price. Lord, Use our lives, God. Help us live out that faith in abiding with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Check out our other lessons on our website at www.christianimpact.net. 
We're coming down into the end of the year. Just two more months to go. So please uh, continue with us. Hang in there. We're going to be doing some new series for next year, some new directions. And uh, I just know that God's got some big things in store for you and I. And with that, we thank you and God bless. Yeah.